Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I got a lot of scripture, a lot of places I've got to go to, so I'll tell it quick. But you know, we, you know, some of y'all don't know, me and my wife, we met in a bar. And uh, we were sitting on bar stools, and somehow or another, we weren't dating, we were just friends. And got talking about the Lord, and the more we talked about the Lord, the scripture was in me because I was backslid on God. It seemed like time and time again, I found myself in different bars and different places and in the depths of sin. And the Lord would open up opportunities that that word just kept bubbling up. And I would, people would say things, and I know they were wrong, and I would correct them. And I, I could quote scripture after scripture. And this is what happened that night. We were talking, and I was quoting scripture, and we got to going on. And I said, well, I know if I die tonight, I'll go to hell. And she looked at me, and she was like, what? I said, if I die tonight in the shape that I'm in, I will go to hell. And who much is given, much is required, and God requires much from me. I said, I've been backslid for a long time. And she said, if you're going to go to hell, I know I'll go to hell. And she said, why don't we just do it? I said, do what? She said, serve God. I said, well, I won't be in this bar anymore when I serve God. I won't be getting high any longer. I won't be dealing drugs. I won't be drinking. I won't be doing all the stuff that I'm doing now. I said, I will not be a hypocrite. She said, well, let's just do it. I said, so you're telling me that... This Sunday, you want to go to church with me? She says, yep. I said, all right. And she looked at me, and she used the words that my brother used. He asked what it would take for God to restore me. She said, I'm glad I've met you now so I can watch God restore you. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, okay, you told me what you wanted. Nobody uses the word restore sitting in a bar. That was a key word for me to know. God said, I heard what you said. And she wasn't even my girlfriend. I had a road ahead of me. I had, to, I had to make her love me. But you know what? That Sunday, we went to church together, and the altar call time went. And I look over, and she was gone. She was already headed down, almost running to the altar. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, okay, Lord. Hallelujah. That was the beginning of our journey. That was the beginning of a change. But see, I'm no stranger to Pentecost. I'm no stranger. God filled me with the Holy Ghost when I was 12 years old. I backslid on God, and I, I had a treacherous life of drugs and alcohol most of my life. The old adversary, he's been after me for a long time. But you know what? He's not the winner. I look around this room, and I know there's a whole lot of you that's, that's been blessed. You've lived a good, holy life, and there's a whole lot of you that's like me. The devil's been after you over and over and over your whole life, been chasing you down. And the reason the devil works so hard against certain ones is because they have great purpose. I was prophesied over when I was 12 years old I was going to do a great work for God. Not that it would be something in me, but being just a willing vessel for God to use me. And most of my life I always I wondered, God, what just, what's it going to be? And I never really understood what my true calling was until I started that jail ministry. 512 souls have been baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're beginning to see week after week souls change. People fill with the Holy Ghost in the jail. We had a man Monday night, and I'll get into the message in a second, but had a man Monday night. He, we didn't have a big crowd, and kind of give him a chance to talk a little bit, and, and, and I'm not sure how he started. To be honest with you, I thought, oh, Lord, we shouldn't have given him the floor at first. He started telling all the stuff he'd done and how he had been on this journey. He said, I was going down the road. He said, my mother passed away. I was coming from Memphis. He said, I'm 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm coming home. He says, I got a crack pipe on my seat, seat and I'm, I got cocaine all over the front seat of my car. He said, I started seeing demons. 
He said, I'm driving down the road. He said, I started looking, and I'd see other cars. I'd see demons. I, I seen demons on the side of the road. He said, it scared me. He said, I started seeing these things. He said, ended up, he said, I started seeing lights. He said, I didn't even know what it was. And the police ended up, that's how he ended up in jail. He said, but I got a crack addiction. He said, I need God to deliver me. He began to cry out. I just need God. I need help. I can't do it on my own. I need God. He began to beg and plead. I just need God to help me. And altar service time come. He hit that altar. And he come down, and we began to minister to him and pray with him. He lifted it. He didn't know anything about God. He lifted his hands up and began to talk to the Lord and begging God, God, I need your help. I can't do it on my own, God. I need you to help me. He began to repent, ask God to, to forgive him of his sins. And, and the more he began to talk to the Lord, Next thing you know, he started speaking in a heavenly language, and didn't he, he didn't even know what was happening to him. He didn't even realize he went from English to speaking into tongues in the middle of what was going on. He didn't even understand. But all those other men that was around watching, they heard it because it was very distinct. He went back into English, and he went again to praise the Lord some more. And next thing you know, he went back into speaking in tongues, fluently speaking. He didn't have no clue what was going on. He wasn't like me to have the benefit of knowing what the Holy Ghost was from a young, a young man. Whew. Hallelujah. We got done and we talked with him. He said, I ain't never felt like this before. I said, Did you hear yourself? Did you hear anything? He said, I heard it. One of the men up in the other side of the room, he says, I couldn't interpret it. He said, But I heard it too. Faith is building. We're seeing lives changed. Hallelujah. God has a great purpose for all of us. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would. I've got a couple scriptures we're going to read and I'll get into the word. I, I got a lot of ground to cover. I'll try not to hold you too long. I think my brother tried to get me tired on the drum so I wouldn't preach too long. Thank you, Jesus. But I'll do my best not to keep you any longer than the Lord allows. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I've wrestled with the Lord for the message for today all the way up until late last night. And I believe I've got what the Lord intended for this hour. Hallelujah. Luke, the third chapter, verse 21. It says, now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. We'll jump to 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, starting in verse 24. It said, and it came to pass after this that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all the host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. Somebody say it's a great famine. In Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to minister this morning on a thought. It's because the dove is gone. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, so thankful for your blessings today, God. Thankful for your word today, Father. God, I am nothing today, Lord. I'm just your messenger, Lord. You're the voice, oh God, Lord. I can do nothing upon my own. God, I need your anointing. God, I need your blessings, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray you speak through me today, God. Lord, I ask you, God, let us have ears to hear your word today, Lord Jesus. Let the word go forth and encourage and strengthen us today, Father. Lord, let a life be changed today, God. Let binds, Lord, the, the, the binders of the adversary be broken, Lord God. Walls knocked down. Lord, let someone leave today changed different than they came in this place today, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I give you all praise today, Father. Hallelujah. I lift you up and exalt your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Now, we all know it's common in Scripture. We find that the reference to the dove 
in many places is in reference to the Holy Ghost. We find we're reading, it says that when Jesus was baptized, that there was a bodily shape as a dove. As the Holy Ghost come upon him, this bodily shape descended down upon him, and everyone could see what it was. It's been a representation uh, from the, all throughout the Bible and Scripture. You'll find representation. That dove is the Spirit. It's, it's, it's that meekness. It's that, it's that tenderness. Hallelujah. We read over, we find about in, in, in Kings, their second Kings, and a common story, most of us know this story. We're, most of you in here are church folk from way back. And we find in this story that there's a, a, a city. And Samaria is surrounded by the adversary on every side, all the way around. If you could imagine, if you could say, you know, uh, you ever seen like a little kid, he gets bullied up and everybody gets all around him and they, they kind of toss him around. The adversary didn't even lay a hand upon him, simply surrounded him. Went around on each side and created fear of that which was on the inside. But Samaria, you see, they had a wall and they had their provisions and they had everything going on. And for a time and period, they had nothing to worry about. Brother Bobby, everything was okay because the, the enemy didn't come in and attack them. They were simply surrounded. They just became a threat to the outside of the city. And, and the adversary, he would, he would surround them, but he was patient in what he was doing. And those that were on the inside of the city for a little while, everything remained the same. Only they were cautious. Only they were careful. They were a little worried, if you would, about what could happen. But begin to go on with everyday life. Hallelujah. The adversary set camp up all around. I imagine at nighttime as their fires grew and they set their camp and the adversary began to, to cook. At night, those that was on the inside of the cities, those that are on the wall and looking, they would see the flames all around them as a constant reminder that you can't go anywhere, that you are cut off. Well, it doesn't say exactly how long that they were surrounded, but they were long enough to where the provisions and everything that they had began to run out. The Bible said inside of this city there was a great famine. They were hungry. They were starving. Why? wasn't that they didn't have money to buy. They were cut off from there because of the enemy. The enemy never touched them. He never had to lay a finger on them. He simply surrounded them. And the threat of the adversary on the outskirts of the city was so great that they began to starve on the inside of the city because no one wanted to go out and challenge the adversary. No one wanted to go out and take and start war because they had been surrounded so long it began to threat, began to be so great and so real that on the inside of the city they began to starve. The Bible says that things that at one time that they would eat was no longer available. If you could imagine, you know, we're, we're kind of spoiled. Me and the wife, we had our date night Friday night, and I said, you know, honey, I had a good paycheck this week, had lots of work. You know, summertime, I'm busy. I said, we're going to go to Red Lobster. I can't even tell you the last time I've been to Red Lobster. It's been so long, but I've been watching that commercial. They get you with them commercials. It's, it, in case y'all didn't know, it's Crab Fest this week. And because we were in a financial shape, we could afford it. We had the freedom and liberty to get in our car and go down the street. Fortunately, we didn't even live very far. We went right into Red Lobster, ordered what we wanted. Anything that we asked for, they brought and put on the table before us. These people in this city have become accustomed to being able to do what they wanted to do to have what they wanted to have, live of the good things, blessed by the good things. But because the enemy had cut them off, 
from all the supply. They began to do things that was inconceivable. The Bible said that, that an old donkey's head had become extremely valuable. All the things that, that were at one time good, the stakes were no longer available. The stakes are gone. The, the cows are gone. And the, the donkey's gone. All that's left is his head. They've ate his feet. They've ate his tail. They, they've consumed everything they can. It said that a, a quarter cab of dove's dung. I, I looked that up, and, and, and y'all may not, some of y'all may know, but I didn't, so I looked it up. And it's about this much in a two-liter bottle. A bird poop. Worth, what was it, 20 pieces of silver. Is that what it was? Four score pieces of silver. Dove's dung for five pieces, oh, five pieces of silver. Christ was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Some bird poop become valuable. Why? Because there was no more dove. The dove was already gone, and all that was left was the remnants. We look around at our news and the things that we hear each and every day. We, we're looking at what's going on, and we hear the killings and the uprisings and the, and the murders. We, we have our, to worry about our children. They can't go outside and play. We're afraid because our little girls and our little boys are being abducted day in and day out. They're, they're taking they're molesting and raping them. They're putting our daughters into sex slavery, and, and, and things are looking bad all around. We find on our TV we, we have homosexuality being approved by our government and the man can marry man and woman can marry woman regardless of what the Bible says. They're, they're now not only just making it legal, but they're putting it on every channel. Every time you turn around, it's a commercial. Promoting that sin is okay. Everywhere we look around, things are changing. It was a short time ago. I remember coming on my porch and hearing my mother speaking in tongues and crying out to God and praying for my lost soul. I remember other houses I could go by, you could hear people crying out to God. I remember being a little boy and Sister Dolly in the neighborhood, she was always watching out for us kids and we got out over top of the railroad trestle and over the cars and just thought we were just cool. We were just little kids because we were standing above the road and she called and told Mama, there was a time when we were community. The United States being the most blessed and wonderful place. We have been so blessed but we have abused our blessing. And we have been surrounded by an enemy that has not touched us, has not beat upon us, has not brought us into uh, to any kind of shackles, but has, has surrounded and cut off a supply that we become accustomed to. There was a time when America was America because it trusted in God. We've took God out of our schools. We've took God out of our courtrooms. We've took God out of, it seems like everything, everywhere you go, God is not hardly on our TVs. If you want to watch the Lord, you've got to pay premium for channels to be able to watch these channels to see God. Because serving God is not popular like it used to be. There was a time when, when everywhere you went, people had a mindset of God. They, they, they at least had some moral principle about them. But we're finding less and less and less of the moral principles of God. And I say, God, what's happened? God, what has happened? See, what's happened is when the dove was gone in Samaria, the only thing left was the remnants of where the dove was. And the only remnants was left was just some old bird poop. 
just something foul. And we live in a land that has forsaken God so many, and all that's left is the remnants of something that was one time a blessing. And they're grabbing little fragments. And we've got homosexual churches. We now have the Queen James Version Bible. We, we now take and, oh, it's been out. It's not new. This, this, we are shocked by the things that are now coming across the TV because, and have no idea. We live in the Bible Belt. We're in, a, we're in a society, in a place, and we say, God, how did these things happen? Where did this come from? Where, where did this sneak upon us? How, how did this happen to us? We are in the land of the free. We are in the most blessed place in the world. See, the enemy, he expected changes to take place slowly. He's very patient. He expected us to, to not realize that what he was doing was cutting us off and say, how did he do it? There was a time when America prayed and we got busy. There was a time when uh, uh, people at home, they prayed with their children. There was a time we prayed in our schools. We had a, at least a moment of silence after they stopped calling it prayer. And, and, and there was a time when the anointing of God was prevalent in our schools and, and the respect of God was prevalent in, in, our, in our judicial system. But at some point in time, how did it happen? A little bit at a time, he never came in and touched us. He just started surrounding us. And we got busy. And we got busy. And see, I, I was raised in the Pentecostal church. I, I was raised from the time I was 12 years old. I, I remember being filled with the Holy Ghost at 12 and coming to church. I, I remember what it was like. I, I was for so many things. There were so many rules. I was forbidden to this and I was forbidden to that. There was a, a hundred or so years ago, Azusa Street Revival took place. And when Azusa Street Revival took place, Something spectacular happened, Brother Randy. People began to seek after something that they basically read about. There were some college kids that they wanted to know what this was, this Holy Ghost thing, and they began to pray and seek, and, and, and it began to take place, and, and it was a movement that rolled forward. Anybody know why it rolled forward? It's our heritage. Because they got excited. They had something fantastic it's like Jeremiah said, a fire shut up in your bones. They begin to get what my mama got when she, she couldn't find no more pills in her uh, shoebox full of pills to satisfy her soul. She began looking for God. God filled her with the Holy Ghost and changed my whole family's life, changed the direction of my, my whole household, the whole family. She began, to, she began to look for something greater. She began to look what these people at Azusa Street had found. They got excited. The joy of the Lord began to bubble up. There was a great anointing. And I'm going to tell you just for a fact, and my brother and sister can tell you, we come from a dry place. Our home was a dry place. It was a place really, even though we were in a time that people still respected God, we were, we were not a, at, at a young, my young age, at my brother and sisters growing up, church was not the first thing on our agenda. It was definitely not the first I can tell you story after story of different events and times that, that's no need in bringing up that negativity. But I'm going to tell you something. Even in a dry place, if you get thirsty, God will supply you a drink if you go looking for it. If you're willing to go hunting for it. 
If you're willing to get out of the comfort zone and realize that we have been lullabied to sleep by the, the, the things of this world and, and the blessings. And Brother Bobby talking about technology, how wonderful it is. Sometimes when the technology of this world, it keeps us so busy. Some of my brothers at church, they got on this little video game thing. We could all kind of play together. And, and they talked me. I got to playing with them. It wasn't long. That little thing, it was the whole design was to keep me consumed and coming back to it. I had to build my little village. These kids, they'll know what I'm talking about. And then you got to, as you're building, you got you to continue to do certain things, and you got so much time, you got to come back, or, or you lose the ground you gained, or somebody might come and pillage your village. And it wasn't just me, but because we were all friends and in a village together, if I didn't do my part, it affected them in a video game. I'll be honest with you, it was a lot of fun. It didn't take long, Brother Randy. It was consuming my time. It consumed the time that I needed to be investing in my wife. It began to consume the time that I needed to be investing in reading my word. It was consuming my time. And if I myself, as an older individual, have uh, just one little game that I got so involved in to consume me, I look at the generation that we're in right now and our young people so consumed by every electronic device. Every game, every social media, everything that's going on. And the devil has not put a hand on anyone in this blessed country and forced them to sin. But when the dove is gone, people will do that which is unseemly. When the dove was gone... When the anointing is gone, people will begin to do things. They will consume things. Now, in this city, they begin to eat bird poop, and it was valuable. The Bible even goes as far as to say that, that the king, that there was a woman come to him and said, said uh, King, what will, you, will you avenge me? Uh, there were me and this lady. We decided that we were going to take my baby today and eat my baby, and tomorrow we'll eat hers, and that we've eaten my, eat my baby, and she will not give hers up for us to eat. But before they were surrounded, they had the blessings to eat what they wanted. It's not been but a few years ago, we had the blessings of the anointing of God on this country. We live in the Bible Belt. We're so spoiled, we have no idea sometimes what's really going on around us. It's creeping into the Bible Belt. We're, beginning, we're all so shocked of the things that everybody else has been experiencing. There was a time, I've spoken this before, wasn't too long ago, y'all remember the Teletubbies? Everybody through, what, 15 years ago, Christian was, was little, you know, she's not that old. I remember my dad and different ones, they had this fit, the Teletubbies, a little cartoon, the little purple guy looked like he had a purse, it was a satchel. America went nuts because they thought this guy resembled, he was too feminine. America was appalled that the Teletubby guy had a purse. And now they're promoting Bruce Jenner, this homosexual, uh, because now he wants to be called Kate and he's so brave. In 15 years, probably. When the dove is gone, we will consume that which is inconceivable. And we wonder, how is this happening? How did this come to be? 
Now, granted, I know that in the last days that things are going to get bad. I know that the coming of the Lord, things have to get worse for the coming of the Lord. But you've got to understand the process of what's taking place. Because it's not just in the world that people are losing out and missing on the anointing. But it's inside of our church. I grew up in Pentecost. I have to say from the Azusa Street Revival and to the Pentecost that I grew up in, a lot changed. From the Azusa Street Revival, how did it go from just a few? That's my grandson. Papa, here's you, boy. How do we go from just a few handful of people receiving the Holy Ghost to a to, to an unbelievable move, power move of God. If you ever have time to study and read a little bit about how it began to spread, and this one began to spread, and it began to spread, the Holy Ghost began to fall, the power of God began to move, former rain and latter rain. It's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God moving in such a great way that everybody wanted it. That's why Azusa Street was powerful, because it wasn't that just God was moving it wasn't that a few handful received the Holy Ghost and it began to change their life. But it changed their life into such a fashion that they were happy about it. It changed their life into such a fashion, Brother Bobby, that they could not stop talking about what God was doing. It changed their life into such a place that no matter what was going on around them, no matter how bad things were at work, no matter what was happening in their household, the Spirit of the Lord was moving and God's miracles began to take place because people were excited about what God was doing. They were excited about the joy of the Lord. They had a love for sinners. Hallelujah. When the dove is gone, hungry people will eat whatever they can. Somewhere between Azusa Street and the generation I grew up in. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I believe in serving God and looking right, acting right. I believe in living holy. I believe in talking holy. I believe in, in acting right. I believe in having a good attitude. I believe in looking the part. But I grew up in a time where I've seen so many people run off from the church before they ever got roots. I've seen so many people beaten with the Word of God instead of encouraged and strengthened. I've seen people look at the Pentecostal church with disgust because they would say, that's them holier-than-thou people. What happened from Azusa Street to the time that we generation that we've grown up in, where did the love go? Where did the love for the sinner? Now, it's easy to come inside the four walls of our church. It's easy to come inside of here and love one another. It's easy to come inside the four walls of the church, and we can all puff each other up and lift each other up and encourage each other and strengthen each other. Call each other on the phone. But somewhere down through time, things begin to change. And I believe the reason the world has took the turn that it took is because when people begin to lose their first love, I don't mean lose God, but the first love. Let me read you a scripture. Revelations 2, 1 through 7. It says, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. 
who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and thou, how thou canst not bear them which are evil. That sounds good. He says, I see what you're doing. You don't like evil. I don't like it either. I see that. I see your labor, your patience. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, or, or, or basically it's, you've borne, you have, you've been through it, you've endured, and hast patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. If he'd have stopped right there, we'd have said, that's us. That's the Pentecostal church. We've stood, we, we have dressed up the part. We have sent our little girls to school with long dresses on. We've not let our boys wear shorts. We've had a certain outward appearance. We, we, we have dressed the part. We have done it, and we've suffered persecution. They come against us preaching Jesus' name, baptism, and we've stood. And we've stood proud. We've stood for his name. We've done all we know to do. That's the church I grew up in. We've stood for it. He says, but nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly. I will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. But this thou hast not, that thou hatest the deeds. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I look at this, and, and as I've been studying and seeking God, I said, God, this sounds like the church I grew up in. We have perfected hating sin. And it somehow or another mixed and blurred the lines with hating sin and stopped liking the sinners. Everywhere Jesus went, Brother Bobby taught about it this morning, he was persecuted because he, he, he had lunch with the sinners and, and with the publicans and all these people. And, and we get, have gotten in the church, and, and I'm not bad-mouthing the church, don't get me wrong, I'm talking about a transition that's took place. And I'm talking about another transition that's coming. Just because things have failed and, and been a little offbeat in the past doesn't mean that we don't have time to correct it and see revival come into this day and hour. Just because the adversary has cut things off for a little while and, and seems like we've not seen the growth that we once seen, the Azusa Street Revival sent a growth throughout America. Unbelievable. The people that were so excited to see God moving, so excited to see deliverance. Houses changed. Mamas changed. Daddies changed. Children's changed. Because the dove come rushing in. The love of God, that peace, that anointing come rushing in. He said, I got someone against you. You lost your first love. Look what happened in the book of Acts, the birth of the church, the second chapter of Acts. Peter delivered the word. He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for this promise is unto you, to your children, all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But the birth of the church did not stop at the end of that verse. Go on and read a little bit further. How many souls were saved that day? How many? 3,000 that day. 3,000 people. And they begin to affect people all around them. The birthing of the church, no different than the birthing of the Azusa Street Revival. People begin to get excited. They begin to love. You know what they begin to see? They begin to see, oh, dope-headed drunkards like I was and say, you know what, Brother Bobby, I think he could be more than what he is. 
People begin to invest in dope heads like me. People begin to invest in people that are in sin like I am. And we begin to look around. The world right now is waiting to see how we're going to respond to all the things that's happening. The world is waiting uh, with the homosexual movement, waiting for the church to jump up in anger and, and start uh, bringing cursings against them and tell them, oh, they're all sinners, they're all going to hell. But the Lord is waiting to say, his sin is no different than yours is. We read in Scripture where it lists off a whole list of horrible sins. It said, and such were some of you. Hanging in the balance are souls of mankind waiting to either be loved by the church or cursed and, and, and sent to a devil's hell with no hope. Waiting to see if we will get a hold of that first love. The first love. It's not that we didn't love God. The Bible said that, that, that we loved and we held up his name. It said that, that we, 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 we carried the name, we fought for it, we hated sin, we, we fought against sin. The first love of the church is the love of the sinner. The first love of the church is the love of that one which needs God. The altar, it should not be completely stained by the tears of the saints. There needs to be a little snot from the sinner. But we have had the tears of the saints on the altar so long that when a sinner comes in, if we're not careful, we'll begin to look at them through the eyes of judgment. We'll begin to see the tattoos on their faces and see the, the things, the sin-beaten faces they have. I could have easily last Monday looked at that guy. I'll be honest with you, I could look at him and know he was a crackhead. He had the physical appearance of someone. He said, I've only been here a few days. I'm just getting over the withdrawals. I'm just getting over it. I could have looked at him and not understood where he was. I could have went up and just give a little, Lord Jesus, bless him, Lord, kind of prayer. I could give him my pious, you don't fit the bill, God bless you, hope you do all right prayer. Woo. Or we could return to that first love. We could return to the point to where the sinner is the very icon of the reason you wake up in the morning. But see, we struggle so much because we have gotten so used to hating sin. And we've gotten so used to what right and wrong is that in the church, if we're not careful, we begin to fight each other over what's right and wrong. And we begin to look at this sister and say, your skirt's not quite long enough. Or, or brother, you, you're growing your beard a little too thick. Or, or, or we got all these isms and schisms in the church houses. And we begin to, just as Brother Bobby's lesson this morning, I, as he was going forth, I said, God, it's all over what the Lord has given me. We can get to the point to where we begin to take it and, and I'll just sneeze at a, a gnat, get choked on a gnat and swallow a camel. We can get so busy trying to do God's job that we leave our job. We had one job, one thing, going to all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What name is that? Oh, come on. Y'all could say it better than that. Jesus! Jesus stood on that cross. I was nailed to that cross. Angels waiting on standby to pull him off. And he loved the crackhead so much, he said, I'll stay. He loved the dopehead so much, he said, I'll stay. He loved the homosexual so much, he said, I'll stay. He loved every sinner, every kind of sin, just as it was. And he said, I'll stay because the sinner needs to be delivered of their sin. We've got to come to the point to where we stop hating sinners. 
because I lived from a generation. I've seen a young man come to an altar crying. I have seen this with my own eyes. Tongue ring in his tongue, earrings in his ear, eyebrow pierced. Come down crying out for God to help him. And a yesterday generation saint come down. He needs to pull them earrings and that string out of his mouth if he's going to pray. I could throw up. Because that individual, as far as I'm concerned, is just as full of the devil as anybody out there in the gay parade or whatever else is going on. Because we can cover up a devil with a good outfit. Everybody in the church is not of God. The Bible said... I know this is some thick, this is a heavy message. I, I never intended really to be honest to bring this. But this is what God gives me. If the Bible says the devil can transform himself of an angel of light, also his ministers transform themselves as ministers of righteousness. If you see somebody killing a sinner before they ever get a chance to get into the altar, stop them. Pull them back. Say, that's not of God. We live in a generation where every soul is precious. Every soul is precious. We got churches all over the United States. They're building bigger and bigger, bigging bigger and bigger and bigger because they're not preaching any truth. Nobody's getting delivered. People are looking. They're still scraping from the birdcage. They're trying to get what the remnants of God because so many have just got the remnants and all they can do is spread it around. And here we are with the truth of God's word. Here we are with the true anointing, the dove living in the midst of us. And the only tears on the altar is the saints. God didn't call us to preach to each other. He called us to go outside of those doors and love people. To love people. Brother Randy, I know you remember me and you riding in the back of the van when I first come back to the Lord. I was, man, I'm going to tell you, I was fresh. I was struggling with my addictions. I was still struggling trying to stay straight. I was still struggling to say the right things and to have the curse words trying to keep them down. I, I was still struggling with everything going on in my life. Me and Brother Randy, we sit together on the back of the, the van. And he hadn't been in church very long himself either. You know what I needed right then more than anything? I needed to be sitting right next to that man right there. You know what I didn't need? I didn't need some pious holier than thou I've been serving God all my life and I'm better than you to look at me and not befriend me but I needed that man to be my friend that day I needed that man to let me know he was still struggling with some things in his life but he was serving God I know God's able I'm gonna tell a story and I don't I had none of this planned but on this very trip brother Randy left out the next morning early from the hotel before we went to the men's conference went to believe McDonald's Seen a, cop, a car come by and throw something out the window, and the cop car come by, he went by, and you know what he found when he walked out there? A bag of dope. You know what Brother Randy did with it? He emptied it out and stomped it into the grass. We got on the van, and he began to tell that story. You know what I told him? I said, I'm so glad you found it, and I didn't. Because I was still struggling. He didn't look at me with disgust. He loved me. Look what God can do in a little bit of time if we just let God love people. 
if we just love people and let God clean them, let God fix them. Let me tell you something. The Azusa Street Revival brought many souls only for one reason, not just that they found the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost has been waiting on them. It's because they, they shared it. They loved people. They loved what they had. They wanted everyone to know about it. It was wonderful. It was changing their lives. It gave them the ability to stop doing the things they were doing. It was so wonderful. It was what everybody had been waiting on. But see, we've had it so long now. We, we've gotten so accustomed to having it that the adversary began to surround us. And we've gotten so busy. And we've gotten so consumed. And we've built these big, pretty buildings. And we've got all these things. We're so consumed with the church that all we do is, is fuss amongst ourselves. over a period of time lost the love of the sinners there is a revival I believe without a doubt that we are on the very cusp of breaking out and seeing lives change because we don't have much time there are those that have been hurt from churches that have carried grudges for years from churches. I was one of them. I went for years. I went for years. I wouldn't even allow someone to speak about God to me. I didn't want them to speak because I had had a lot of things take place. The church is not a business. It's not a dictatorship. It's a place that we gather together. Now we started building buildings ourselves. They went house to house. You know what happens when you go to house to house? Let's say I go to Brother Bobby's house. You know what's going to happen when I go to Brother Bobby's house? It's his house. I'm going to respect him. And I'm going to be thankful that he has shared with me. I'm going to go to Brother Randy's house maybe next week. I'm going to go in. I'm not going to be going in. I'm not, I'm not the boss of the house. This is his house. I'm going to go in. I'm going to respect him. And I'm going to be thankful that he shared with me. I'm going to go to Brother Daryl's house. You know what? It's his house. I'm going to be thankful. We dedicated this to be God's house. This is not our house. This is God's house. And we've got to come in here and we've got to be thankful that he has brought a table spread. We've got to be thankful that we come in and, and it's not our house. It's not for us to decide. It's not for us to, to beat people to death. The pastor has a wonderful job of sending the word out. Let me tell you this. Sheep begat sheep. The shepherd tends the sheep. We produce sheep. You don't ever see anybody ever, if you, if you find a shepherd that has produced a sheep of his own loins, call the inquirer. You can't expect the word coming from the pulpit to fill up the empty spaces in our seats. If the church has failed... It has failed because we got busy. It has failed because we lost the first love. And the love is not that we lost God, not that we lost our religion, not that we lost the anointing, because we can feel goosebumps. You can come to church after church after church after church service and feel goosebumps. You play an old country song just right, I'll feel goosebumps. But there's nothing that replaces seeing a sinner come down and cry out to God. And be filled with the Holy Ghost. There's nothing replaces the end time anointing of lives being changed, souls being delivered.
God is looking for each and every one of us as individuals. Say, Brother Joe, this is not a Sunday morning message. Well, I'm sorry, you have to blame God. Luke 13 and 6, it says, He spake also a parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit their own and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Y'all know what the fruit of a Christian is? It's another Christian. I'm not talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of a Christian is a Christian. What's the fruit of an apple tree? It's an apple. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. Y'all know what the purpose of fruit is? The purpose of fruit is to protect the seed because the seed is inside of the fruit. And there is a time period, a germination period, that that seed cannot reproduce until that fruit helps keep it to a certain state and then it's able to reproduce. That's the purpose of fruit. It's not just that we come by and hungry and get us a bite. The seed has a time that it has to go through a process before it's able to reproduce again. And the fruit simply protects it. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. Now, I wouldn't do it because it would embarrass most of us, me included. If I was to say, can you stand up and tell me how many people that you've led to Christ and they're serving God? Most of us would be embarrassed. But it says, and you'll find many times that we are compared to the fig tree in the Bible. It says that the, the master, the Lord, come by. He said three years. He come by once and there was no fruit. He was patient. He come by another year and there was no fruit and yet he was patient. And a third year he came by and there was still no fruit. And he had begun to get fed up. But the gardener said, just give it a little time. Let me dig around it. Let me, let me work on it. I'll come to tell you today, it's time to do a little digging around. It's time to, it's time to work on it. Because if you, I, I know it's one thing to say, well, I got my son and my daughter and I got my immediate family. You know what that is? We're just greedy because we, we all want our family saved. But if you can't find someone outside of your immediate family that you love, the Bible says that even the sinners, they love their own. If we, ain't, if we ain't doing something for God. The gardener said that if, if nothing comes by this next time, after I've got an opportunity to change this, to work on this, then you do what you got to do. If we won't take this wonderful gospel, if we won't carry the dove in the beauty that it is, and the love that it shines and shares. The grace of God, if we don't take it out and share it and start bringing people in. If we don't produce such a joy and an excitement about what God is doing, we won't fill the house. 
And when he comes, he's going to look and he's going to say, where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? Now see, of the world, he expects nothing. He doesn't expect them to have fruit. But we're accountable. We have it. We have the truth. We have the truth. We have it. He said in Revelations, he said, unless you repent. You know, sometimes we come to a point where we know, we know that we know that we know we hadn't done all we could do. I find time and time again that a message will come forth and it'll, oh, be like a dart hit me. I'll say, oh, Lord, that one hurt. And I could either take that message and I can make the changes. I can start doing what God wants me to do. Or I can go numb. And I can quit letting the word affect me. And then I'll be no different than those in the city consuming the hardships of famine. Hallelujah. Twelve men turned the world upside down at the birthing of the church. We had Azusa Street. A hundred years later, we're still preaching about it. I don't know how long our next generation is going to last, and I'm almost done. I, I don't know how long it's going to last. They've been saying the Lord's coming for years. I, I've never in my life felt that it was going to be as soon as it is right now. But I look right now and I say, Lord, I know too many people that according to your word would go to hell if they died right now. Lord, if you come right now, though I have held the word, though I have stood up for your name, though I have done all these things that we read about, if I don't have that true love, God, will I make it? Hallelujah. It's time to do this. It's time to start thanking God for everything that we have. Because we live in the most ungrateful world that there ever you can imagine. We live in a time to where we're the most impatient, unthankful. And that rolls right into our relationship with God. I've been trying my best to make it, and I'm not tagging any uh, uh, brownie points for me. I'm not trying to say that I'm doing anything special. I'm just I'm struggling day by day to try to please God just like everybody else. But I've been trying my best, and when I pray in the mornings, the first thing I say is, Lord, I don't want to say, Lord, I need this. I'm trying to say, Lord, I'm thankful that you woke me up this morning. I'm thankful, God, for my blessings, Lord. I'm thankful that, Lord, I got an opportunity to praise you. I'm thankful I'm praying with my wife. I'm thankful for my wife sitting here praying with me. I'm thankful, God, for my children, Lord, every day. This has been, it's been our prayer for a long time now. We start off every day, I just want to be thankful, God, help me. I pray over each and every child, everyone, their activities, their jobs, everything they're doing. Pray over their friends, God, send someone their way to encourage them. God, send someone to bless them. I think of Job as he covered his children. And I don't want my children to have any less. I don't want my loved ones, my extended family, my brothers, my nieces and nephews, who have been praying. Why? Because time is short. But even the sinners love their own. We've got to start seeking those outside of our own family. 
We've got to start seeking our neighbor. We've got to start going out. We've got to do something. So what are we going to do? Well, go to the jail. Go to the mission. Go down to the bridge. Maybe instead of listening to the jokes at the water cooler, tell somebody what, what service was going on about church. Maybe when you're standing around at the supply house and everybody's getting coffee, say, man, you won't believe what happened at church. Let me tell you about what God's doing. Maybe if we just change things and, and we start inserting all of the things that we're excited about, people will begin to see joy and excitement. Let me tell you something. We've got something to be excited about. We are the most blessed individual people there is because we not only have truth, we not only have love, but we have the ability to take it to others. We've got to take it out. We can't, we can't fight amongst ourselves. We've got to we, we, we do like Brother Bobby said this morning. All our murmuring, complaining, grumbling, all that stuff's got to stop. We've got to realize that we don't have much time. Now, if we were in a situation, you know, you see these TV shows, and I, I'm trying to quit. I know that the brain can only take in what the seat can contain. But you see these TV shows, the end of time, and, you know, you got a meteor coming. We only got so many hours. If we were to put a, a thing up here and say in the next 60 seconds, you had to face God, and you had 60 seconds to change some things in your life, what would it be? Come on, stand. If you had 60 seconds to get some things right in your life before you knew the coming of the Lord was coming, what would you change? Who would you run to? If you knew you had to face judgment and you were in fear of facing judgment, what would you do? Hallelujah. I know this has not been a, a popular type of message. It's not a jump and shout message. I'm going to be honest. I believe, I believe the Lord sent me here today with a warning to a church body that I'm going to have a revival and if you want to be a part of it, love people greater than you've ever loved them. Don't allow the influences of yesterday to slow down your love. Don't look at the outward appearance of the sinner to stop you from loving them. We're going to take a hold. But see, the first thing is, is we go to the doctor. We can't have a doctor help us if he's sick. I don't, I don't want to go to the, with the flu, Brother Bobby, to the doctor, and the do doctor has snot running down his nose, and he's sneezing and coughing and, 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 and going on. I don't want that doctor working on me. We're in a world that needs some people just to be, it needs people just to be well. It's time for the church to have revival. There's an end-time revival coming, and it is in this place. If you don't know the Lord today, I don't know everybody that's in here. You might say, well, this message might not have been for me. If you don't know the Lord, let me tell you something. This is your opportunity because you're surrounded by a bunch of people that's going to love you today. This altar is waiting for your tears. This altar is waiting for you to say, you know what, God? I realize I got some mistakes and I'm not perfect. God does not expect you to come down here and be perfect in two seconds. And God does not expect you to get perfect before you come. This is your chance. Come as you are. Ask God to help you. The altar is open. If you got a need today, this is your opportunity to have it met. If you got some things you need to lay down at the altar and say, God, I, I can't carry it any longer, this is your chance to lay it down. There's some things that we got to shed 
in order to pick up the cross. We can't have our hands so full that we can't carry his message because we're so carried all of our own troubles. Come lay it down today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.